Hi, everybody. I uh, just want to give a brief content warning for all our listeners. Uh, this next series that we're exploring contains police violence, sexualized assault, racialized language, and other triggering content. Uh, we hope you guys stick it with us when we talk about when they see us, but totally understand if you need to skip this series. As always, thanks for your support. This week on The Pour Over, Joe and Dill continue their discussion on When They See Us, a newly released Netflix drama miniseries about the Central Park Five. Tune in as The Pour Over Boys discuss episode three, which explores life after prison for Antron, Youssef, Kevin, and Raymond. Let's pour, pour it all over. Hey friends, welcome to The Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Dill, and Joe. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. Today, we're continuing our series on When They See Us, the new drama miniseries on Netflix about the Central Park Five. This four-episode miniseries portrays the lives of the five teenagers who are falsely accused of the assault and rape of a woman in Central Park, New York City. But before we get into all that, let's catch up with the poor of the boys. What's up, Joe? How's it going, man? Yeah, we not in yeah. the same place anymore. No, sir. No, sir. Yeah. My apartment uh, misses your presence. <laughs> yeah, I miss I miss Ohio. Miss your Ooh. apartment. You know all, all all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've been good. Um, I uh, you know, work is picking up again. School year is starting pretty mm. soon. So, uh, you know, teachers are coming back in the building. We're getting a lot of stuff ready. We still got trainings going on because we do that mm. over the summer. And um, clean up your mess from when you stayed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, but definitely enjoying. In all seriousness, definitely enjoying the Chemex. Um, that's been on my regular rotation. Nice. Oh, you've been using it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How is it now that you got some um, experience with it? I really like it. Um, it's it's just uh, got a completely different flavor than my Kalita. Hey. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, how have you been, man? Pretty good. A little busy for me just because I, I got summer school and I have this paper I need to write. And I just slowly been working on it, but not as much as I should, which mm. is probably characteristic of my whole academic career. But <laughs> that's okay. Um, you know, what needs to be done will get done, hopefully. Maybe you got to drink more coffee, you know, get, get a little true. motivated. That's true. Yeah, this... Uh, Week or so since I've been back, I actually been brewing iced coffee or like filtered iced coffee, whatever Ooh. you want to call it. Like essentially, Japanese I've been style. doing my pour over on the V60, but doing it over ice, which mm. you know I think I've talked about before. But you know, it's summer, it's hot. I'm not Perfect. trying to wait for my coffee to cool down, so I'm right. just brewing some over ice, so it's nice and cold. Mm-hmm. What beans you been using? I'm using those uh, middle state beans that you, okay. you gave to me so graciously. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I think with with the ice or brewing it over ice, it still maintains some of the acidity, kind of the mm. brightness, as opposed to doing uh, what was it cold brew? Right, right. But I, I'm trying to. <clears throat> I, I think when it's colder, it's harder to. I, I don't know, like tell the flavors maybe I, I don't know i feel like when it's cold when the drink is cold i always feel like it's more watery than normal oh which i mean could be the case because i'm also pouring it over ice after i brew it and so there like is more water mm. but mm-hmm. it also could be i think when i drink 
coffee cold, it just, for some reason, I, I don't know if the intensity hits me as hard. Hmm. Um, which well, I think can be the case with cold brew too. I think I mentioned before, I think my ratio yeah. is usually probably too strong when I'm trying to dilute it. But yeah. Hmm. What You know what they say about like cold foods, right? What's that? What's that? Like you can usually taste the flavors better. Oh, oh, is that really a thing? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why people kind of like cold pizza. Oh, that's right. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. That is. Maybe maybe, why, why that maybe is. I'm missing something. Hmm. Well, interesting you bring that bring that up. Um, I just saw a post I think by Ghostlight, uh, and they uh, were talking about the Deeper Roots Summer Punch Blend, Ooh. which they recommend brewing over ice. Hmm. Um, so yeah, man, summertime's everyone's on that you know cold brew and you know uh, iced coffee wave. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's good either way. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to dial it in just because I usually, you know, grind it a little bit finer. I'm just trying to see, like, how much finer I'm supposed to go. It still tastes fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, ha, 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 fine. But um, it still tastes ah. good even though I, I, I ground it finer yeah, than I like normal. That. Well, I mean, we do like the finer things in life. True, true that. Finer Things Club. Um, Yo, uh, have you been keeping up with, um, you know, the James Hoffman you know, the uh, YouTube gang, coffee gang? Uh, a little bit. Are you referencing a specific video or? It was one that I think you recommended to me. Um, trying to think oh, of which the one, one about cupping? Is. Yeah. Did we talk about that last time? Uh, we, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, I don't think. If we did, people will hear it twice, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we didn't, though. But yeah, James oh. Hoffman is a YouTuber that we both follow, and he puts out some pretty informative YouTube videos. So if listeners haven't checked him out, put his link in, in the show notes. But mm-hmm. yeah, most recently, he, he released a video about how to do coffee cupping at home, which coffee cupping is essentially like the coffee industry way to taste coffee. Um, right. So it's, li- it's literally a bowl of ground coffee and then water. So nothing mm-hmm. else. So they don't they don't have those different brew methods. Like kind of what our last podcast, the live show kind of showed is just that like different brewers have different characteristics. Yeah. And so as, as a whole, the industry, like just to taste the coffee itself, puts it in a bowl and they do what's called cupping. And he kind of explains some ways that you can do that at home, which I think is good. It's, it's fun. I think something different to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we kind of made a parallel with that and our little demonstration last week that if you want to up your coffee game, if you want to kind of know the differences between good and bad coffee, that video he showed was, was a good way to start. Uh, to just kind of, you know, and kind of the way you described the low, mids, and highs you know, we were able to develop that kind of language just by trying different cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and he recommends doing, I, I think, like four to six different coffees at once, mm. which I don't know if I have access to that many beans, but either right. way, I think it's still it's still useful because a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned how I did a cupping class at, I think, Noble Coyote here in Dallas, mm-hmm. and we... Uh, we just had three um, beans, and still, you could still tell the difference between the three. So I think mm-hmm. that's okay, too. Uh, it's just the more you have, I think, the more you can tell the differences. Right, right. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a cupping live show sometime. Ooh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. 
Uh, I was just going to say another kind of plug for uh, his channel. He just put out a um, video about weird coffee science oh. where he he kind of examined what he termed a hard bloom versus a soft bloom hmm. using hard water versus soft wire water. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, very interesting. And his proposal is that a hard bloom will bring out more CO2 which mm. I guess is something, you know, in the coffee world we say is, is good when we're blooming the coffee because mm-hmm. um, then it gets at the bean more. Uh, and then after you bloom it with hard water, then you go and brew it with soft water. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're talking about how coffee brewing gets so complicated already, and this is just, That's I, I never even thought about doing that. Pretty much, yeah. It's That's like two kettles at once. You're like, I water, bloom water only and then right. brew. Oh, yeah, like man. you can have like a, a gallon of just soft water, I guess, and a gallon of hard water. Yeah, interesting. And, and, and so, did he try that in the video and say it made a difference? Well, I, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys watch it. Ooh, I'm gonna let you watch it. Tease. But it's very interesting. The results. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and some of his other videos, he's he's really mentioned that water is kind of like the low key game changer. That mm. people don't think about that much. Sure, sure. It's like, yeah, people ask, it's like, ah, my, my coffee that I brought home is just not the same as my favorite coffee shop. And mm. his first thing is like, your, your water is probably different. I mean, it is different because mm-hmm. um, there's no way it can be exactly the same. So he kind of recommends you could ask to get some water from the coffee shop if they're so kind to give you some. But yeah, yeah. so water is one of those you, you don't think about that much. But I mean, that's the majority of the coffee. Right, right. Is that water you're pouring through. I know this is uh, bringing our coffee talk a little long, but one of my triggers is when someone brews coffee with tap water. Ooh. That's like a hard trigger for me. I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down there. All right. Yeah. I, I want to be drinking coffee, uh-huh. you, know, you know, not this lime water. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes a difference. Well, uh, man, we are entering our third third episode discussion of Mm. when they see us and um you know like we've talked about on the show uh like we always do a little synopsis of the show is is that uh this show is a drama miniseries that's on netflix right now you guys can check it out it follows the uh lives of the five teenagers involved with the central park jogger case um you know we've kind of gone over this, this information a lot uh it's directed by uh, Ava DuVernay uh, has some big names in there. Michael K. Williams, John Logazamo, Vera Farmiga. Um, and where we're picking up today is actually when the five or the four kids get out of uh, prison. And it kind of follows how their lives were kind of ch- have been changed or, you know, the life out their life outside of prison is now different. And their families are even different for some kids. Mm-hmm. Um and, um, yeah, you know, if you guys have to catch up, check out the first two episodes of our pod, obviously watch the show. Um, I think there's not much more to say than just, uh, you know, ask you, Dill, man, what, how was uh, episode three for you? What'd you think about this episode in exploring the lives of these kids when they get out of prison? 
Yeah, episode three, I, I enjoyed it for, I think, a couple of different reasons. Like, one, I think the vibe of the episode was totally different than the first mm. two. Just the whole experience of watching it. This one, I I don't really know exactly how to explain it, other than I feel like it's it's just more maybe more documentary-like, and it's just mm. kind of presenting, like, this is what their lives are, this is what they're experiencing. Whereas the first two episodes, I think, were really intense. Um, yeah. A lot of drama. I mean, there's still drama in this third episode, but it felt less dramatized in that it was right. just like, this is what happened when they got out of jail. Right. And, so and I, I kind of enjoyed that different vibe. Yeah, yeah. And I would say less dramatic. Like, it mm-hmm. was a little bit more... I mean, of course, there was a lot of um, drama. I don't want to overuse that word with uh, Raymond's family. Yeah. Um, but... Outside of his uh, kind of storyline, the others seemed a little bit more, I don't want to say chill, but just mm-hmm. a little bit more kind of... Um, it was like toned upbeat. down or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just a little bit more... I don't even want to say lighthearted. I keep thinking mm. lighthearted, but it wasn't lighthearted. It was just just a little more fun. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, specifically, I guess maybe we can go to some of the characters, but like with seeing the dynamic now between Kevin and Yusef, yeah, that was really cool. Um, just kind of their com- camaraderie, and you know, you almost felt like a sense of calm and a sense of like, like I can exhale. Like when you saw mm-hmm. them interacting and how, you know, um, they're able to make. Not make light. Able to make uh, to to see, see to see the positive, not the positive. I I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> to to be hopeful, I guess, in a situation where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, they definitely uh, gave each other some joy. I think even just mm-hmm. leading up to that, it shows Yusef getting out of jail and all that, and he he's with his family, I think, and he just seems really disconnected. He's like pretty. Um, no emotion on his face. He's kind of like in the apartment and just kind of chilling there. Like he looks pretty unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I noted like the first time Yusuf is happy is when he runs into Kevin. Yeah, and they're Ooh. going to. I don't know if it's like a class or something for their for them because they all they're all they're all registered as sex offenders now. Mm-hmm. Um, but is I think it's nice for them to be able to just connect and show that. You know, this it's a hard situation, but they they got each other in some ways. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of started that way back in episode one when they all met each other as kids in the in the room um, at the police right. station, and now they're like we in this together kind of thing. Right, right, yeah, and also Yusef at the barbershop was a nice little vignette of oh, yeah. barbershop life, and um, you know, remembering that your community can be the the biggest uh, source of support. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny watching the barber kind of joke around with Yusef. You know, I, I don't know how appropriate it was, but kind of about like, oh, the first thing you got to do is, you know, you know, go go find a woman, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, y'all Muslim. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it was, a, it was definitely cool to see kind of them too. Um, yeah. What else did you think about the episode or who else, you know, kind of resonated with you? Hmm. Um. I don't know. I I, I feel like I just kind of like sat back and just kind of watched more. Like I felt like an observer to something that was just happening in the show. 
mm. and less involved in some ways, if that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's more like I was interested to see how each of their lives would go. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. I think usually we don't, in, in shows, we don't get this much of a progression in time. And yeah. like a whole different context, like so many years have passed, like 15 years or whatever, and like everything's different. And the characters, we saw them as kids. We saw them in particular like places like the courtroom or the police station. And now we're seeing them out back home, but it's not like really home, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, as a whole, I think some. they're just kind of presenting. This is sort of what post-jail uh, life, post-incarceration is kind of like. And so I thought I picked up on that uh, all around. And as for, I think most of the episode focused on Raymond mm, yeah, and his experience. And yeah, you, you just got to feel for him just like all around. Like his, mm-hmm. his dad's new family is not welcoming at all. Mm. And he's just having a hard time. So I feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Raymond's story reminds you that, you know, just the initial incarceration is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you uh, step back out into society, it's not really like, you know, the chains are gone, you're free. You know, you, you still have to, you have to start over, basically. And, you know, some people come out and they can start over fresh. And then some people come back and they have no support. And they almost, you know, take multiple steps back. And Mm -hmm. I think we see that with Raymond's family, um, kind of having moved on, you know, um, kind of, I think in a way that his, his dad didn't realize, Yeah, like, I think his dad is, was a little bit kind of oblivious despite the fact that he tried to be supportive. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that he thought he was, you know, um, you know, because he has his life to live too. Um, I don't know. It's just a, it's multi-layered. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what you thought about that whole home situation. Yeah, I think the two two major things that Raymond's story and even just this episode, I think, was trying to present or that I picked up on is one like, world doesn't stop. Like when when they went to jail, mm-hmm. everything progressed. Like you said, Raymond's dad had his own life to live. He got married. You know, had other kids. Mm-hmm. So the world keeps going. And then the second one is just like once they got out of jail, uh, that you, like you already said too, like that wasn't the end of it. The mm-hmm. the world doesn't let you forget. You know, mm. it's like you served your time in the legal sense, but yeah. it just follows you everywhere. Mm. You see that and all all the different characters all the trying all the people trying to get jobs, like all those different things. Yep. Um, I don't remember if it was like Kevin or Raymond like trying to fill out the job application and it was like, Well, you gotta check yeah. that you oh, are a felon, you gotta check yeah. your sex offender, all that. It's like where can and, I get a job? Yeah. yeah, he's like, I can't you know, it just everything's against you, even though you quote unquote like served your time. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's over. It just goes with you forever. Wow, that's crazy because now I think about Antron's dad in episode one Mm. where the cop was kind of harassing him about his past. And it's like this is now the same future that these kids look have to look look into, you know, is is constantly having someone bring up their past, which was not even true. 
which was not even uh, a true accusation, uh, or, you know, really what happened. Um, I I thought it was very endearing the dynamic dynamic di- the dynamic between Antron and his dad, mm. and kind of just the realness of when Antron first get gets out, and he's um he's kind of growing up as his mom is talking as a narrator, and she's like, mm. um this I'm going back to his mom, not his dad, but his mom's like, yeah, when you cry, I cry. Mm. When you mad, I'm mad. Um, and then she's like, "When you free, I'm free." And then mm. he gets free, and it's like, "Wow!" Like they they really are only as strong as their family. Yeah, you know. And just to see that support of a mother is like, I mean, even when you're faced, you know, up against all these odds, and that you know that um, everything people are saying about you is wrong. Um, your family is like the greatest support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was really nice how they started the episode kind of that in between the courthouse and then them as adults is just them in jail, right. Or in prison. And yeah, you can see how supportive each, um, each kid's family is. I think that's, that is really nice. And yeah, like Tron's mom kind of, uh, she has a line too. It's just like, I love you enough to make up for everyone. Cause they're, they're, the kids are realizing that the world kind of hates them. Right. Mm. For, for this thing they've been accused of and convicted and, and the family's just there trying to try to be there to support. Right. But at the same, it's like, there's this layered experience. Like your family might support you. They might not, but mm-hmm. even if they do, like that doesn't mean life is going to be Okay. Because there's all these other aspects too, like even when like Kevin gets out, his sister picks him up, and um, they're connecting kind of like old times and and whatever. But still, life is not the same, and it's still difficult. But that that was a really That's nice right. note to start on, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which and then when Tron does finally go home, and then uh, sees his dad Bobby there, that that was kind of, that was kind of hard. Um, yeah. I think it's just just because the show's only four episodes, it's it's hard to get into everything. But I right. think there's like a lot more that could have been shown with the Bobby and Tron relationship. That dynamic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Tron was really mad because apparently Bobby had left his mom while Tron mm. was in jail. He he got sick or something, came back and like yep. was all frail and all that. And they don't really go too much into it just because of time, I think. But yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Just this, how yeah. it kind of tore up his family and it's just so complicated. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and I think they had that conversation at the dinner table about like, you know, we do these things for people we love. And, you know, Tron was basically like, yeah, we do. But what dad did, that was not mm-hmm. love. And, um, you know, basically talking to his mom saying like, I'm going to support you, but I'm not going to support him. Mm-hmm. And then we don't, yeah, like you said, we don't get to see the real transformation that goes on in Tron. We just kind of get to see a little bit of it when his dad's like really sick mm-hmm. and, you know, he kind of gives him a kiss on the forehead and then uh, kind of runs off. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would told, I mean, I, I would love to see more of that uh, in this episode. Yeah, um, and then they kind of just move on, like, toward the end of the episode. They say at some point in time, uh, Bobby passes away, 
And I think Tron moves and changes his name and it's just like mm-hmm. his, I don't know, his response or his way to bounce back is basically like start fresh. Yeah. Like just change his name, go somewhere new, uh, try to change all that. Or it's Kevin, Yusef, um, and, and Raymond, I guess, stay. And I mean, they, they all have different like ways that they could try to go back to their own lives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess that's that's like the one thing that's presented is just like, yeah, everyone kind of goes about it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we see Raymond kind of um, go back to the streets and, yeah. you know, he finds he finds like there's no success in kind of the um, the working world and, and he um, starts uh, pushing dope. And you see you kind of see that foreshadowed in the beginning a little bit when he's walking down the street and he sees these guys on the stoop and they're the same guys he comes to yeah. later saying, you know, do y'all need any more help? And, um, yeah, that's kind of just what we were saying at the top of the discussion of this discussion, just that, you know, um, you know, these, uh, you know, these experiences in prison don't just stop there. You know, this, um, you know, this, uh, yeah, this life. And, um, you know, for some people, when they enter society, they that's the only way they know how to cope with the world is to do the same thing that, um, you know, incarceration has forced them to do, which is engage in these kind of illicit activities. Um, I will kind of say, though, like I kind of made a note in the show. I, I know I know it was kind of necessary to portray Raymond this way. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was a little heavy-handed on how stereotypical it was. Like, whenever you saw him walking down the street, it was like this hip-hop music. Mm. Like, you know, it was kind of like, oh, like, he's a gangster. Like, I just, I felt like it was a little bit, um, yeah, just kind of on the nose and, like, yeah. unnecessary for them to be so, um, you know, like, um, yeah, stereotypical and just... uh you know, to to use these hood stereotypes, like mm. these these characters on the on the stoop, they're like shady people, and like, you know, they just looks they look out of they they look straight out of like a comic book or something. Yeah. You know, when I wish it was a little bit more nuanced, like mm. you know, people who peddle drugs can look completely normal, mm. or like you know, they could be a white kid, you know, like just some random white kid in in high school. I don't know, um, I don't know. That's just a little rant. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He totally took on the persona. I think it was just like ah, what what you think about when, when a felon gets out of jail and then kind of falls back into old ways or new mm-hmm. ways or just whatever falls back into crime, and yeah, he totally got into that, and then he's like buying all these presents for his, um, I guess Girlfriend. his brother and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, his, his little brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's yeah, I I see where you're coming from with that. And even so, just like the the point they're trying to make is just like it's hard and it's it's not so easy, right? I, I think they, mm-hmm. other than the persona, the stereotype that he embraced, but all like the context around his family and it's just his experience coming out. I, I think that part was done well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. at the end, when I mean Raymond gets arrested again at the end of mm-hmm. the episode, and you know my, my heart just broke. I was like, man, um, it, it didn't have to be this way. And I know it's difficult. Like, I, at the end, I just felt like I couldn't blame him. But at the yeah. same time, I just wish it went a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you kind of, 
I think the the American kind of Western philosophy is we gave him a chance mm. and he and he blew it. But um, you have to think a little bit more um, culturally culturally responsive than that, and and not to say that you know we we don't make our own choices, but he was set up like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like are there really enough resources, and are there really enough? Is there really enough counsel for someone exiting the prison system to be able to reintegrate, you know, successfully? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are the stories of Antron, Youssef, and Corey exceptions to the rule? You know, like we see them kind of going off and, and doing well, but are they really more just exceptions to the rule than, mm-hmm. you know, most people leaving turning out like Raymond? You know, and, yeah. and whose fault is that? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, even going into the episode, I, I didn't know that's what ended up happening with Raymond, I guess, in real life. And so I was like mm. really surprised. I was like, nah, man. You know, I was just, it's almost like you couldn't have written it better in some ways to just kind of portray the ways that this, that jail incarceration like has its impact on different people. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man. Yeah. And, you know, because his, even Ray's dad knows what he's doing. Right. Yeah. You know, he's, he's buying these nice clothes, gifts, got this TV, all that stuff. And and his, his dad tells him this thing, this line is like, you don't got to be what they said you were, you know? And yeah. So like his dad recognizes that in some ways he, he's living up to the accusations and all that, that he's a criminal and he's just like this hood, hood kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bummer. Like he, that Ray didn't feel like there was anything else he could do mm-hmm. um, just to get mm-hmm. his life back on track. Yeah. Um, man uh is there anything else uh that you like to talk about uh in this episode uh just one i think is there's this overarching like mentions of like Corey because we don't oh, see him and even no. when they were younger like i think yusef asked his mom like ah, i've been thinking about Corey, and, and yusef's mom very much still the same trying to separate Yusef from the rest of the boys. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, just don't, don't worry about them. Just worry about yourself right now. And she really pushes him to stay with the, the other uh, Muslim um, guys in jail and even afterward. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they just kind of like mention Corey here and there just cause he's not yeah. in the episode, but yeah, that's just one thing. I'm just wondering what, what maybe what, what he'll be like in episode four. If he's there, I, I don't really know, but yeah, because they once they went to jail, Corey was separated from the right, rest. Right, he went to Rikers, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. So he was treated as an adult, I think, mm-hmm. whereas the rest mm-hmm. were treated as minors. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't wait to talk about that next week and just uh, finish off this series. Um, yeah, man. I just, uh, yeah, this, this this show leads to some real conversations. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see. I, I don't even know what episode four is about. Like Yeah. And now that they already talked about them as adults after jail and I don't even know what what's next. But I guess we'll see. And we'll talk yeah, about and it. Yeah, I yeah, and just kinda quickly, I can't wait to watch um, you know, the uh when they see us the real panel oh, yeah, one with on Netflix, I think. Yeah, I wanna see that too. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I wanna hear hear from the actual people. So I think that's mm-hmm. that's cool how they kind of paired that up and had that come out after too. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah, definitely a good series. Uh, good, A lot of good things to talk about, real-life things. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to end the podcast as we always do by just seeing what's making us happy. So, yeah, Joe, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, man, um, just uh, kind of continuing our discussion. Um, you know, I work for a school district, like our listeners, some of them know. And um, what's making me happy is... I feel like our school district is really um, talking about some of these things, um, talking about, um, you know, how how different aspects of culture enter our schools and how there's intersectionality between the way we teach and our cultural backgrounds. Um, because like anything we do in life, um, we're always act, acting in ways that are informed by our cultural backgrounds. And it's the same thing with um, educators. We always teach in a way that is um, more complementary of where we come from. And, you know, being Asian American, you know, everything I do is going to be kind of a byproduct of that upbringing. And, uh, yeah, just what's making me happy is, um, you know, I'm working with a group of educators right now, and we are actively talking about these issues Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, our district is actually giving us space to, to be able to do that. So, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I think, especially um, when I consider the makeup of our district that they are, um, you know, allowing underrepresented groups and just these topics to have um, some airtime. So yeah, that's, that's what's making me happy this week. Nice. Very important. Yeah. Uh, What about you, man? Yeah, for me, uh, just trying to get back into the regular rhythm of life back in Texas now. But this past weekend, something that happened is like one, two of my good friends got engaged. So, Ooh. you know, got to help out a little bit with that. Uh, the The guy, uh, he he's definitely an over planner in some okay. ways. Like I met with him the day before and he, I was just asking him how he's doing. He's like not feeling prepared and then i'm like Uh man like i I know you (laughs) you are definitely prepared (laughs) you'll be all right yeah um so it's nice uh, just be able to help and kind of help them i I was there watching and helping set up the the space just afterward they came all their friends people from out of town so even you know some mutual friends so people that i don't usually see too often gotta talk to them catch up and uh, yeah, so it was nice being to celebrate some friends, reconnect with old friends, and yeah, it was a good time. Nice. Did you have an active, you know, role in this? I was more so, so like, we we, we celebrated at like this kind of like clubhouse kind of area, so I was in charge of making sure all the people got in there and that I could open the door for them, make sure everything is set for when the couple made their way and we came, we could cheer uh-huh. for them, all that, et cetera. So I, I was making sure everyone was uh, wrangled together, if you will. Yeah. Was this uh, by chance our college clubhouse? No, it was uh, no, not. Okay. It was much nicer than <laughs> oh, that. Man. Dylan and I have stories of uh, like, you know, knowing how to get into our our uh, universities, like uh, business building, yeah. like, you know, our clubhouses and like little classrooms. Like we used to like go into these, yeah, just building super late at night. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, we had some way to get in, like whether that was 
you know, a finicky door yeah. or <laughs> someone has some kind of key card. Like we just get in there and use like the projector and yeah. things like that, things like that, and play like video games and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the best, dude. We, yeah, we we just huge like movie screen size projector. We had watch movies and all that. Yeah, I was actually at this weekend. I was telling someone because. Um, I remember we, we, we like slept in one of the classrooms one time <laughs> and just cause, oh, yeah, yeah. cause we could, I guess. And it's just like, they're like, you, you, how'd you get in? I was like, oh, we, <laughs> we just had our ways, man. Right. Wasn't that like a, wasn't that like sponsored by our organization? Like we're like, oh, it's okay to do this. Like, uh, or like it maybe. was a, yeah, I think we, we like had some trip that like got rained out or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And then we came back and we're like, oh I guess this is our option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, super Ooh. random. College days, man. Yeah, man. We made use of that tuition, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like that's probably not allowed anymore. I feel like they'll probably get a little more strict on those types of things. Right, right. Because yeah, Dylan and I went to a pretty small, um, not not small anymore, Medium. but medium-sized uh, regional campus. And yeah. um, I think they let some things slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're all good. It's part of the experience that I look back fondly on. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Thanks for talking this week over the show, just about life. But oh um, yeah, man. Yeah, we'll we'll talk next week. Finish up episode four. Looking forward to it. Yeah. This was the Pour Over Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at pourover underscore show to stay up to date with the Pour Over gang. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at Here Comes Daniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us. Take care. See you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>